Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Gigabit Nation. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and we're here to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get broadband everywhere it needs to be. Ohio has just turned on its first gig city, a town called Fairlawn. Partnering with Fujitsu Network Communications, the community built a hybrid fiber and wireless network infrastructure to address its many needs. I interviewed Ernie Staten from the city of Fairlawn and Mitch Drake of Fujitsu at the Broadband Community Summit last week. And here is that discussion. And so, great, um, Ernie and Mitch, welcome to the show, and thank you for being here today. Thank you. And so, let's start with um, what got you um, interested in doing your own broadband, because not everybody kind of comes at this a different, you know, the same way and stuff. What was your, you know, collective motivation for doing this network? So there were there were many. Um, the mayor for our city uh, it, it has done quite a bit of traveling overseas in business development, and in that business development, the one question that comes out is, uh, what what broadband do you have in your community? Um, and, and in Ohio, the state of Ohio is very very low, and then to say that they're low, then we are like 96 in the entire state. So it's wow. a hard sell. Okay. We have the water, we have the land, um, but we did not have uh, a, a good internet source for them. So that started it. Uh, I had some of my own personal reasons that I thought we should uh, start looking at it. And I did meet with uh, providers and every provider I met with told us that it just would be a long time before we would get the type of service that we wanted here in, in our city. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I think we may, uh, some folks who aren't familiar with the geography may think of Ohio, uh, the fact that you're near uh, Cleveland, um, that there shouldn't be a problem, right? We have a, this, this uh, perception of, you know, the big metropolitan areas in the northeast and in, and in the west coast and so forth, we don't, I don't think people think about you guys as being um, uh, bottom of the, of the chain there as far, what, what is, is that because of this being a, um, a industrial uh, community or, or state and that affects why there's no or the low broadband penetration or I, I don't think I have a good answer for it other than uh, my understanding is that the the two coasts are, 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 are have someone that are building out for them and that have uh, uh, much more reliability in their area Midwest which we're we're in the center of the Midwest um, I just don't believe that they've built out to us. And Interesting. Okay. The fact that we're not 
a big community, mm -hmm. 7,500 residents, mm -hmm. that that community is not going to get the draw that a bigger community like like a East Coast community or even the city of Cleveland is probably doing much better than we are on uh, on their on their internet service. Okay. Huh. Now, are there uh, is that common? Like, if you go ten minutes or I guess an hour outside of Cleveland. Are you basically moving into what be, might be considered a uh, rural type of dynamic then? And, and so I think you have both, um, but, uh, but it is more rural, especially uh, west of Cleveland. Wow. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. Interesting. Okay, so, so clearly um, it's an unserved or underserved uh, not necessarily from economic perspective, but just from a broadband uh, accessibility, um, was the uh, the political structure were they all in agreement? Because I know in some places uh, these projects can start well and they kind of peter off if the uh, city council or the mayor, or whatever. Uh, sort of, you know, decide they want to don't want to do it anymore. Um, I get the impression that you guys have had good political support from the beginning. We have the political will in Fairlawn from the very beginning, uh, and, and it starts with the mayor. Okay. Um, the, the mayor wanted to see this happen from the very beginning, and he has been uh, he's been in many of the discussions. Helping out, giving uh, giving his philosophies, and then we've met with city council many times. Um, matter of fact, throughout this whole project, uh, uh, we've had different segments of this project, and every one of them we've had to meet with city council, and we've had support just here lately to give the overall uh, support for the five contracts that need to be in place to implement this uh, uh, fiber to the home network. We needed. Uh, we have seven councilmen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was a seven-zero vote on Monday okay. night to say that they want us to move forward. So yes, we have the political will. And it just came, and it's been that that way from the, from the beginning. So now, um, uh, Mitch, you know, you have a you know the global perspective, and um, does uh, Fairlawn seem to be typical in terms of both the need but also the political will. Um, are you seeing that a lot of uh, communities have that kind of will? Yeah, we're starting to see it. You know, the two challenges the industry has is uh, with a project like this, whether it's state or a municipality, it's political will and funding. Yes, there and you go. And political will has not been an issue uh, within the city of Fairlawn from day one. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in fact, it's just the opposite: is when when can we get it uh, when can we get it built and and service implemented? Mm -hmm. And the funding is not an issue in the city of Fairlawn. So, from a national perspective, uh, internet perspective, they fall into the the category of of the typical tier tier two tier three city where you have incumbent carriers that uh, are providing service over obsolete copper mm -hmm. and are faced with a large investment in order to bring those areas up to date uh, with technology. They would rather spend their money in tier one cities where they're facing competition. So the municipalities are taking matters into their own hand, hands. Having that political will, again, it's, uh, that's mm -hmm. part of the battle. Now, from a Technology standpoint, um, and I'll, I'll start with Mitch, and we'll you know come back and talk about yeah the specifics. The um, the the sophisticated aspect. Do people seem to have a willingness as a small town to be? Uh, is there a will a willingness to take on and that we're not necessarily saying that the IT department for a town this size 
have to be responsible for like running the switches and all that. But at the same time, you know, I've been amazed in some cases where the willingness of a small IT department, you know, a city-sized uh, IT department, um, will take it on. And, you know, they, they feel comfortable enough. Now, I'm sure that having the right vendors and so forth uh, support folks help, but I think there's a certain amount of, like, a willingness to make that commitment to, to, to you know, support it, to make it all work. I mean, is that, a, is that again, is that a regular kind of thing, or? Well, uh, it, 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 it varies. You know, you've got some municipalities that have a, a, a growing IT department that have those capabilities. That's where Fujitsu has, has, has really been helping the municipalities because we bring the entire uh, portfolio of needs of that customer. So we, we can take care of the design, the build, the operate and maintain of the network and position them for success. In Fairlawn's case, they don't have a, a, a big IT department. They don't have call centers. They don't have retail centers. Mm -hmm. They don't have tier one help desks. So, what Fujitsu does is we come in and broker that for them. We get them in touch with the right people to, to help them beyond the, the design build. As uh, to draw a distinction with the, with the utility companies that are also getting into the business, they have that infrastructure in place today, so mm -hmm. it's a little easier for them to enter into the broadband business because they got trucks, they got operating support systems, billing capabilities. Uh, poles. They don't have to have a monthly expense to hang wire on their poles. So they're a little bit further advanced than the average municipality. Mm -hmm. Now in your case, who actually is taking on the technology side of things? Who's taking the responsibility to both interface with all of your um, uh, vendors and so forth, but also um, the I guess the the uh, the internal parts that have to be put in place. Um, is, is that your CIO? Is that you? I mean, who takes that, that role, that lead role, to, to usher through the, um, the technology issues? Our approach is, is going to have the City of Fairlawn, myself, over umbrella the entire system. Okay. But we're going to use, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to use Fujitsu's experience and their know-how to operate and maintain the network. Mm -hmm. Then we're also going to have, on the opposite side of the, of the chart, if you would, we're going to have an ASP, an anchor service provider. Oh, right. Okay. okay. That will run the retail piece. Okay. Will will actually deal with the businesses, deal with the, uh, our customers. They will work for us, but at the same time, they're running a business on it also. So Fujitsu and Fairline Gig will have the infrastructure all the way to the ONT. Mm -hmm. Beyond the ONT, that infrastructure will be uh, put together by the ASP, which we're actually, we determined that it's going to be extra mile fiber out of Dayton. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they will run Fairline Gig Retail, and myself and uh, Fujitsu, will, Fujitsu will run Fairline Gig the network. Okay. Now, um, you just uh, a little bit ago um, were on a panel, you know, d uh, discussing uh, best practices and so forth. Um, what are some of the best practices? From a you know technology perspective, technology management perspective, what are the things that need to be in place in order for this to be executed um, properly? Because um, I know from conversations that the thought of you know getting out there and you know driving this kind of a process you know is not necessarily what a lot of cities have done, you know, as as, as a, um, you know, as a, as a, as an organization. Um, what helps make this all work, uh, you know, from a from a city side? From our side, I think the most important part of all of this is that that you get the correct 
contractor consultant to help okay. you through this. And I think that's what we found with uh, uh, Fujitsu. And, and how that took place for the city of Fairlawn, we tried to do it internally, as okay. a few cities try, have tried. Mm -hmm. We put out an RFP, and when we did that RFP, Fujitsu, it, they stood out way above everyone else that answered the RFP. So then we, we engaged with them to, to find out how to build the network, and it became very obvious that there was more work that needed to, to come out of this than just to say, we'll give you money, you build a network. Mm -hmm. So we partnered um, to do a design, and in that design, there was a business model, there was a feasibility study, all that was part of a, 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 a contract that we had with Fujitsu. It did, it did numerous things, but here's the two really important things. We were able to get a design and understand a design, and we were able to work with Fujitsu to understand that how both of us work. If I could give advice on anything, my advice would be that we don't speak the same language. Cities right, don't right. speak the same language as telecommunication. Where Fujitsu has been big in telecommunications, cities just, we've never had that, uh, uh, those discussions. So it was nice to have that period where they were designing it and we were working together. They would call. I can't tell you how many conversations Mitch and I had over a three-month period that they were putting together this design. Then coming out of the design, we were able to say, this is how we'd like to construct. Because mm -hmm. I've gotten the impression that um, the... You know, there's a certain part of stuff that you, that you don't know about the broadband business, right? So as a community or and as, you know, as a city government entity, you know, you're 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 struggling with this whole thing of well, what do we know? Do we even know what we don't know? And um, what's the kind? What are kind the things that help get ready? You know, like I mean, do you go do some extra courses at the community college on, you know, understanding the, the, the basics of broadband. I mean, there's a certain amount of knowledge, I would guess, that needs to be um, acquired by the, the city staff. Um, and, and so is, is that true? And if so, how do people deal with that knowledge uh, acquisition, if you will? So I think my answer to that is, is twofold. Is the answer that I had for you before? I do think that you know you need to come up with the con correct consultant. Right. You need to come up with the correct contractor. On uh, to get our knowledge up to where we would understand it. Uh, uh, this is was my approach. My approach was I read 24 hours a day. I, <laughs> I, I, I never I never stopped reading on it because I didn't understand it either. Mm -hmm. But what I found out was we made it more complicated than it needed to be. Ah, a okay. city understands infrastructure, and we were looking at it as just technology, and uh, uh, we couldn't we couldn't grasp it. But I'm sure that I could take telecommunication companies and say, here's a waterline design. Do you understand a waterline design? Mm -hmm. I'm sure that they wouldn't understand that exclusively right. either. Yeah. So the, I think the terms, we just get wrapped around the terms sometimes. At the end of it, the way that I understand it is infrastructure. I understand how to build a road, how to build a waterline, how to build a sewer. So this is just that same, same sort of idea in my mind. Mm -hmm. I would add that um, Ernie's right. The, the vernacular used across the country is different. I'm fortunate I've worked across the country and I can adapt, but mm -hmm. the average person cannot. So in Ernie's office, uh, there was a whiteboard and, uh, and felt pins, uh, grease pins that we, uh, we used to help merge that communication between all of us because one may be thinking something and the other one may be thinking something else. So mm -hmm. that, that really helped us. Kind of fun. We, we now poke fun at that whiteboard. <laughs> no, that, that, that makes sense. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, it's um, a lot of times uh, people on the show uh, have talked about sort of the policy issues and the need issues and so forth. You know, we haven't had a conversation in a while about the technology and the kind of meshing of the 
you know, the needs for, you know, knowledge and awareness and all this kind of stuff on the technology side and then kind of um, smoothing the rough edges where policy folks meet technology people and we kind of need to make this thing work because in the end um, you're trying to solve certain needs as a, uh, as a city entity um, and some of those are business, the business of running the city, and then you have uh, political issues and so forth. And so getting those two to kind of line up so that you're getting the best technology solution to meet your political and business needs is, to me, a rough part of the road but obviously, it's a necessary, a necessary part, you know. I, and I'm again, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. But that's kind of like how I have seen things kind of go for the last couple of years. And so I would say from, uh, that I think that that is the most complicated part of it, being able to put all the contracts in place and work around those contracts uh, uh, with each because cities deal with things completely different than private industry. Right. So so exactly. that that that's really where I think where Mitch and I had to do a, a, a lot to get us to the point where we could we could say yes that our council could say yes because it gets so complicated with private industry can make a decision today. Right. City government makes a decision or any government makes a decision it it may take months to get that decision made. So mm -hmm. I think that's the, the most complicated part. And so that's, again, one of those barriers that you, you just need to be able to speak the same language. And as Mitch said, we really, we just worked it out all right. along. All right. Now, in, um, what would it have been, 2006 or thereabouts, um, Wilson, North Carolina, I think it's about similar size uh, to, to your town, and their IT uh, department took responsibility and they worked with an outside consultant. Um, the one thing I would see that I assume is better now is that when those guys were starting, there weren't a whole lot of um, cities doing what they were doing. And so there wasn't a lot of people that you like, couldn't pick up a phone and talk to a, you know, like a, a, a counterpart on, in some other city, right? It, are we at a point where there's a either formal or informal network of city officials and IT people and so forth that you guys can talk to each other and brainstorm and, and, and just work their work through some of these things. I still don't believe that there's a big network of that. I think obviously these conferences like this mm -hmm. help with that. I think dealing with a company, again, just like Fujitsu, now can bring some of this together. What I've found is most cities that have done this before us did uh, pieces or parts of it, and, and it wasn't one whole project and it wasn't bringing the financing in, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't our model. And I think the city, the city of Fairlaw, and I, I, I'm going to tout it a little bit, can be a model for the rest of the country. Okay. We don't have electric. We don't own our own electric in, in the city. Um, mm -hmm. We don't have a back office. We don't have, Mitch explained it before, we don't have all these pieces that uh, some of the other cities that have done it before us have. Mm -hmm. We're smaller, our, our IT department is, is it's a two-man department, and in today's day and age with 911 and all the dispatch equipment, probably 40%, 50% of their day is just on dispatch. So they don't really have time to look at a project like that which it was handed over to me and we understand infrastructure on my side of the table so that's why we we did it mm -hmm. very interesting very interesting craig yeah. I, if i could just sure. add on that you know mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about this uh, a couple weeks ago uh, 
Ernie and other municipalities are going out and learning, going to conferences like this, they're going to Chattanooga. Um, but at the end of the day, they know what they want. They just don't know how to go about doing it. So when, when Fujitsu was brought in here, little did we know that we were going to build a telecommunications company infrastructure in 12 months. Mm. And That's uh, pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy when you stop and think about it. You know, the, a lot of the, the, the municipalities that were overbuilding, uh, those communications companies have been in business 60, 70, 80 years or more, mm -hmm. and uh, what we're doing is, is, is providing that service to them in, in 12 months. Now, this build is going to extend uh, potentially out to 24 months, depending on weather and that sort of thing. But packaging it all up, uh, we're not quite a year into this with Farallon. By the time, by the time uh, we start, we'll be right out a year, and that's okay. just a, an amazing feat, in my opinion. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the um, the the, the uh, need part. You know, I typically tell uh, cities that we need to, or they need to, understand needs and fairly in depth because the providers or providers of services and <coughs> equipment, you know they're keying off whatever you tell them, right? And so the better you can identify the need, the more effectively I think it is that you can create the right uh, solution, right? Whatever is going to be wireless, whether it's going to be wired, whatever. Um, what did you guys do to, um, to understand your need? I know some people will call it a consultant, some people won't. Some people are able to figure out, you know, they have a good rapport, and so they'll get people to the, into meetings and whatever to, to sort these kind of things out. What worked for you guys? We approached it, I believe, from from all the angles. We're we're, we're a we're a fairly conservative uh, city. We we try to always uh, uh, cross the T, dot the okay, I. Okay, fair enough. So. Uh, we did bring in consultants. We did do feasibility studies uh, with those consultants. Um, we had the, the again the political will from the very beginning. We met with many business owners to find out how that would look for them, what their needs were, and then we have a story that that I'm going to tell relatively quickly. But uh, we have a compactor system in Fairlawn. And it doesn't mean much to anyone other than that's where the people bring their trash. So we have this really nice facility that people drive to us to bring their trash. Mm -hmm. And when they, when they do that, we have an opportunity to, to grab the public. Holy mackerel, really? 80% of, it's actually 82.5% of all of our residents in Fairlawn bring their trash to me, to, to compactor facility. <laughs> so in doing so, we were able to... Uh, do uh, two or three surveys there, uh -huh. and we were able to get information out to all of the residents, and then get feedback from that. And uh, believe it or not, we've had we've had a strong, strong commitment from the residents that that they're looking for this. Mm -hmm. We've had many show up to council meetings and ask when this is going to happen. They stop at my office all the time to ask, and it really centered around us being able to get them the information at that compactor. We don't have everyone's email address, but what we do have, we have a spot where everyone comes to see us. That, that is outrageous to me. I, I never would have thought about it in a million years. That, I mean, is, do, do other cities have a similar kind of... No, I, we, we can't find another city out there that does it the way that we do. And believe it or not, people in BMWs and Mercedes they come in there and they have trash in it's their right. trunk. Everybody has to get to, right. uh, to give it there. I shake my head every time. I <laughs> but they they do, and and you know we call that trash compactor marketing. Oh. <laughs> so from a um, wow, well at least we know that we're getting uh, in touch uh, with our community here for sure. Um, what are the needs then that you've identified um, that justify uh, the expenditure and then the reason I'm bringing it up in that way is that um, a lot of times uh, critics 
of these networks say, you know, this, you know, the taxpayers at risk, and and these things are a failure, and all this other kind of craziness. But I generally take the approach that um, if the community decides that they have X, Y, Z needs, whatever those are, and that they are willing to let broadband be the solution for a ABC needs and so forth, and and in the end, the constituents find that what they expected is being delivered, and maybe some more. Um, that community has a successful network, right? Um, but I may be wrong. <laughs> so you know, when you look at your needs. You know, one, what things have you identified? Um, and and you know, I mean, it's early. It's, it's early on in the process. But how likely do you think it is that those needs that that have been identified are going to be met in some you know a year or five years or whatever? The needs for the community um, they range. They, it's a big range. Our community is 7,500 residents live there, but during the day we can get between 40 and 50,000 uh, visitors. Mm -hmm. So we have we have a large business piece in our community. Businesses are starving for it, so that need was there from the very beginning. Okay. Secondly, we we have a community that is uh, some of that housing stock is aging, and every community has fights this battle, that mm -hmm. the, it, your housing stock um, is deteriorating in some way. And we felt that we needed to bring something in that was necessary to, um, to help with that housing stock, which if we could bring something like this in, uh, fantastic. It mm -hmm. would bring many, many people into our community. Okay. So I think those needs have been there, they continue to be there. As far as the service goes and for success, the city of Fairline has always, always had a, a very high service. We've been very, very big in service. In road construction, we don't ask the taxpayers to pay anything, but we give them specs that are way above what other cities around us do. Um, we, we're very well known in our area for snow plowing. Mm -hmm. We get quite a bit of snow and our snow plowing. Everyone, everyone in Northeast Ohio knows Fairlawn because of snow plowing. We've always had a high level of service in our community. And by us starting this, I think that the residents and the businesses already expect to have the highest level that we possibly could. When we went with Fujitsu, the comment that I've made over and over and over again, and our mayor makes it constantly, we were asking for the Cadillac. We want the best that we can bring in here to the residents so that we don't have issues of failing on service. And, and I, think, I think the design and the way that we've approached this says that uh, we're bringing the best that we can to that. Mm -hmm. Now, a question for, for both of you, um, and it may seem like I'm picking on Wilson, but Wilson is one of the earlier uh, communities and they've done very similar to what you guys have done, right? And um, and what was interesting is uh, I have I and a lot of other people have talked about Wilson and their success of being, you know, having built this network and so forth. Well, about a year ago, I asked them what was their um, goal, right? Um, and what they said was. We as a city have a commitment to uh, improve and continually to improve the quality of life, right? Which is nothing on anybody's ROI meter. Um, there's nothing that you can sort of look at and sort of quantify, right? And like I said, we it wasn't even like most people think about that. Most people just think Wilson, you know, they're one of the first. Uh, they've got a good network. They they beat Time Warner on price and whatever, right? But in the city, there is this thing about quality of life, and and it's and it's huge. I mean, it's like 
it was, you know, they built several million dollars of infrastructure to address quality of life, right? And so typically, you know, your Wall Street uh, accountants would freak out as that as your justification or your ROI, but is quality of life a big deal? I mean, it's big for you, and you know, and then Mitch from you know looking at the you know the world of broadband and the other uh, communities, is this a, is this a big deal? So quality of life issues are the issues that keep people in your town, keep your town vibrant, keep people coming to your town. But you're right, you can't quantify that. Mm -hmm. It's similar to a park system. Uh, a park system is always considered part, uh, quality of life. Right, right. But, but it's very difficult to go in and say, I'm going to build a park with these funds when you're right, all you're getting out of that is quality of life. That's what the outside says. The people that live within that city, they understand how important it is to have that park, to have this broadband amenity, that this is something that only they have. This is what keeps them in our area. Um, I, I, I tell you a, a, a funny story. Um, we've talked about this many times. We have a hotel in our town, and the hotel made the statement, that, and this is a quality of life issue. I can turn off the hot water. And I won't get complaints that I get complaints right now because I don't have correct broadband for the people that are staying in this town. So that quality of life issue, you're right. We can't quantify it, but it is it, it it's necessary. It's what keeps it's what keeps the mayor in business, right? <laughs> quality exactly. of life. Yep, yep, indeed. I I hear you coming from. You know, well so what do you think on the global side? Is is that um, a big issue that probably, you know, pop national politicians and lobbyists, you know, kind of push off to the side. But what, what do you see? Yeah, I see it clearly as it's a quality of life uh, enhancement, but at the same time I could say it's a necessity as well. Right, okay, um, right. I, you know, we, we talk about this a lot. We get caught up in things that are uh, gigabit this, gigabit that, you know, I need one gig to my house. Uh, to me, that's not the focus. The focus is uh, replacing obsolete plant, copper, uh, mainly, and providing those types of services that are uh, that fall in the category of, of broadband services today, certainly enhancing wireless and, and getting the gigabit service out there, but it's more than that. It's, it's enabling um, smart cities. It's enabling education to do more. Uh, it's, uh, healthcare uh, is another uh, item. You know, why do we have to drive to the doctor now? You know, to 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 sit there and and wait and wait versus do, being able to do things from home. So to me, it's more than just a giga uh, right. thing. It's 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 improving the quality of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, in in that vein. Um, a couple of years ago, I did a survey of economic development folks, and I've been actually been doing that for a number of years. But the but two years ago, I asked the question: um, Is healthcare delivery, um, medical services, are those, you know, collectively, are they an economic development issue? And again, I'll start. I'll start with with Ernie, but you know. Is that a big, you know, is that a um, economic development issue? Because, and the reason that I'm asking that question is that people, when they talk about broadband, often will say, "Well, we need it for economic development," and then they'll talk about getting people or getting businesses to come to town or getting the ones that are here healthy. But that tends to be the parameters of their discussion when they're discussing broadband. And so subsequently, when you talk about, well, is it going to go out to residents or is it going to, you know, deal with other aspects? Well, no, we're here all about all, you know, only here about economic development. That's why we're here, right? But I'm wondering, is that a bit of a too narrow a focus? And particularly healthcare, I sort of sense that's an issue 
that is equally about my quality of life, but also the health of your economy. We, Fairlawn has a large amount of uh, healthcare facilities. We're, we're between Akron and Cleveland, and both Akron and Cleveland have, uh, have hospitals that are, that are very highly regarded. And the doctors are generally in the suburban areas. Mm-hmm. So uh, the doctors that we have in town, we, we also thought that it was a health care um, enhancement. So we did talk to quite a few of the health care providers. It, it's amazing how many want to be involved. We've actually had conversations with, with two gynecologists, uh, one knee doctor, and... Uh, and now here lately to psychiatrists that would like to do things over the internet, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but don't have the ability to do it where we're at. Matter of fact, uh, I wanted to say this earlier, but you know we, we haven't even met the broadband threshold in Fairlawn. It's supposed to be 25. We have we average 22. Mm-hmm. So for a doctor to want to do any work uh, it, over the internet, even if it's just between the hospital. Um, it, it, it's likely to be impossible for him to do that. To go as far as what some of these doctors have called us to say, um, we'd like to, it, it would sound crazy, but do a knee surgery at someone's home, send a nurse to their home. If that's possible to do that, and he can do that over the Internet, well, he's going to need a robust system mm-hmm. like what we're building. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're hearing good things on the health care issue. And yes, it's a it's a huge economic driver for us. Okay, all right, fair enough. Now, you know, let's talk nationally. Um, one, do you consider it a an economic development issue? But then, more maybe more importantly, do communities see it as an economic development issue? Yes, I I, I see it as. Uh, uh, a, a benefit to economic development for a couple reasons. One, modern technology uh, requires uh, skilled labor workforce, doctors uh, in, in the case of, of health. You, you you can certainly have remote doctors and you got to have the internet to, to support it, but a lot of them uh, do have to see patients live and people just don't want to move into an area that's got um, aged infrastructure. So right. to me, that's the nexus of, of, of the question is you, you, that's what will benefit people. I think of a, a small community in Northern California uh, that had one of the, the better hospitals over the years, but now uh, it, it, it's not any longer because it doesn't have the bandwidth to provide the services they need. Mm-hmm. People have to drive three and a half hours to Reno oh, or three hours to Klamath Falls to get the same service. Mm-hmm. So. People are moving out of those areas. Um, you know, from an economic development standpoint, um, kids, you know, I'll use Modoc County again as an example. When kids graduate from high school, you know, they, they're on the internet, uh, they see what, the, what life's all about. Um, their, 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 uh, their slow services, their, their inability to get to the, some of the uh, websites that they need to, to live their life, they leave and then they don't come back. Mm-hmm. And so those, those communities are uh, population decline. So I, I see it as uh, definitely uh, a need to have uh, from a health perspective and from an Internet perspective to, to have broadband. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, we've talked about the needs, the need, you know, the health care and, and uh, some of the quality of life issues. Um, how do you, be, being a technology provider, how do you sort of uh, create the um, the line between need and technology? In other words, based on a town this size, given that um, you know they're they're trying to do deal with some some economic development issues, their key you know uh, concern is you know quality of life. How does the technology solution sort of gets translated from the needs part to the technology part. 
Yeah, it, it, mainly through listening. You know, okay. we, we listen to our customers. Uh, we do less talking in our initial meetings uh, and let the customer uh, tell us what their challenges are. In Fairlawn's case, we heard it loud and clear that, uh, you know, their, their constituents had uh, a lesser broadband service. So we took a look at what, uh, what they were wanting, and they were wanting initially a, a wireless broadband delivery system. And uh, after listening to that and looking at some costs and looking at some design, our value add to Ernie was, hey, Ernie, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't just focus on the wireless. We believe you can build a fiber optic network deep into your neighborhoods um, at, at equal or same cost as your wireless. Mm -hmm. So uh, we were able to uh, not only design the fiber to those t tower locations, but also take it another couple hundred feet and put it into a home. So listening uh, is very important uh, for us when we meet our customers. Okay. One topic, um, I just did this article, uh, this report on libraries and um, their impact on, on broadband, and I won't go into all that, the details, but an interesting point that was brought up was there is software these days that replaces some of the um, functionality that you can only do with with hardware, right? And someone either in a session or whatever that at this conference made the same point that there is software that will um, do will, will basically replace some of the hardware. Right, and then if you're look, talking about a small town, um, you know, with a limited IT staff, um, I'm assuming that that is going to be beneficial because the less stuff that you have to worry about as far as gear, that you know, physical gear that you got to go out and fix or bring back to life or whatever, um, the easier it'll be for for you. But are there off? Uh, are there developments in, in, in um, software that are falling into that trend? I'm not aware of any, but I do know that there is a lot of emphasis around the country of getting all of our libraries lit up. Right. Uh, so I got to believe that, that there's more than just uh, the need to, to, to uh, for a place for people to go and, and get access to the internet. So I got to believe that there's technology. Uh, that are coming down the pipe, but I'm not aware of any mm -hmm, at this mm -hmm. point. Okay. But I, I would venture to guess that it would be software defined. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, then, and less fine. hardware defined. Right. right. Um, is um, well, let's talk about the library thing for a second. Um, do you have uh, like one library or multiple branches and stuff? Just, just one library. Okay. Summit uh, County handles the library system, so, ah, okay. and we're, we're based in Summit County. Now I got it. Okay, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, do you think, well, if we were talking about, talk about your town in a year, what changes do you expect, you know, is, and then again, it helped me a little bit with context. Um, on the show uh, earlier this week, I, w I was interviewing uh, this gentleman from Kansas City, and uh, he talked about once you have the technology is in place, right, there are those things that you identify that, that drove you to build it in the first place. Right, but then as it comes online, people then start to come up with different ideas. There's like there's all there's a mindset that basically says, oh, we we have this gig. Well, we can think about this and that, and they're there and so their their outlook on the world is changing because of this. Um, you know, the technology, what do you see maybe possibly happening in a year or so after after launch? 
I don't know that we're going to see a large change in the community that quickly. I think what we will see is is exactly what you you've explained that I think the mindset will change ah, that, okay. that they will be able to do more and the long-term goal of that is we want to bring in the young entrepreneurs uh, we met with Chattanooga in the very early stages of this and and, and I believe their mayor had a it had a good outlook on it now mm -hmm. his statement was when we built it we thought that uh, Google was coming to uh, uh, Chattanooga, that Amazon was coming to Chattanooga because we had the best, we had a gig to every home. Mm -hmm. And he said, he said, they didn't come. All the young entrepreneurs came. And we see it that way too. We don't see, why would any of these companies that you envision, like Amazon, why would they come to Fairlawn? But it's the young startups, it, it's, hmm. the, it's the ideas that we envision will be there. On top of the fact that we're we're also going to be providing such it's such a great experience for our residents all the way through, so I, I I don't see that it's going to be a huge change. I do think that the mindset will change. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things uh, we we talked about before we actually started the interview um, is the issue of you have a. Seven thousand and some change of residents, but during the day, you know, it grows up to being uh, thirty thousand people that come in town. Is anything that going that's going on with the broadband uh, build out that will affect that um, that 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 varied um, influx of people, you know, I mean, maybe there'll be, there'll be zero impact, or have you thought about it and said, well, this <coughs> might change, or this might be different, or whatever, um, with that variable group, not 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 with the residents, but that, uh, because I, I've never been in a place that goes from like 7,000 to 30,000 because of the time of day. Right, and so I'm not sure what that actually looks like, um, you know, in, in 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 your world, but but I'm curious. For the build itself, the wireless piece was centered around the idea of having with all those uh, okay visitors each day. Mm -hmm. um, that was our initial goal with the wireless piece. What we found out is that most of the businesses that are bringing in all those visitors are really that th they want the fiber. They want the ability to, to go to one gig. Mm -hmm. We we have we have a nice mix of retail and office space. The office space is asking for it in a big way. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that uh, you'll see that change. But I'm not sure it's a change that we were looking for on on that. It was more we want to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. We want the we want that thirty to forty thousand visitors a day to continue. And in order to make that happen, I, Mitch explained it earlier with the the aging infrastructure. If it ages, obviously you'll start losing that interest in your in your city. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, are there other you know, are, is this kind of a a, um, a rarity that you would have, you know, that variation in the time of day kind of thing, or um, is it, you know, a, a rarity, or, or how do you sort of see that? Yeah, I would say it's rare. I, I think that just goes to show that how, how innovative the city of Fairlawn is to, to track that, mm -hmm. first of all and then to try to find a way to enhance the, their time in town other than collect their tax revenue. Right. Um, so, you know, putting, putting the wireless network up there gives the, gives the, the visitors the opportunity, gives them a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, most, most everybody has a cell phone today, and so they're on data plans. So while they're in town, maybe if they're going to be in town for a while, maybe they don't want to be on that data plan. Right, right, right. Or it may be at capacity, they have a different choice. Or maybe they drop their kids off at the skate park, and I don't know if Fairlawn has a skate park or not, but you know, a kid will, you know, most kids have their head down in an in a, in a iPhone or a, 
uh, cell phone today texting. So it just gives them a value add to their visit uh, when they're in in Farallon. So, but I think it is rare. Uh, oh, okay. You know, a lot, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of municipalities, you just want to build the build the fiber, or they just want to build the wireless, but not both. The, these these will go hand in hand. They will complement each other, mm -hmm. and certainly there'll be, uh, you know, if if someone's at home. Uh, tethered on onto their fiber connection, and they want to go to the park. Um, they can go to the park at the same service. They don't have to. Uh, they don't have to change service providers. They're they're just be uh, basically tethered to to their existing service that they have. Okay, um, we're we're almost running out of time. I wanted to um, to ask one definitely um, pointed pointed question is um, you mentioned that it wasn't too difficult to get the financing for the network. Um, how did you guys, you know, finance your network? And I've got mixed feelings from, you know, I visited this conference and so forth about the either the ease or the lack of ease in getting money to make these projects work. What was your experience? We we decided in the very beginning that we would fund this network on our own. And, and saying that, it's like building a road, building a water line. We don't tax, we don't assess residents for either of those. Mm -hmm. We don't change the taxes to put any new infrastructure in. So that's how we, we decided to handle um, this network. In doing so, it's $10 million to build it. So uh, that $10 million we didn't have laying around, we went and asked the Summit County Port Authority mm, if they okay. would help us with a bond issue. Ah, okay. So, got so it, got we're, it. we're doing a general obligation bond that we're paying through our general fund. What we're hoping to get out of this network, obviously we're hoping to make uh, enough money to cover everything. But our goal has been to cover the maintenance of the infrastructure mm -hmm. and the build of the infrastructure would be paid out of general fund and if we never make enough money to pay off the build we understand that okay. we are m more interested in having the tax base the soft costs we're more interested in having that tax base stay in line and potentially grow due to this network mm -hmm. okay so Mitch, from your perspective do you see more communities making the the uh, investment, or is it like uh, what I sort of saw three years ago, uh, where a lot of people wanted to do it, but they just couldn't figure out how they're going to be be able to, to to finance it? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of it. It's, it's across the board. Um, we we are seeing you know on, on average two RFPs a week from municipalities. Uh, so there's clearly a need out there, and that need again is the copper obsolescence, and and so I, I think what what you see is uh, a myriad of financing opportunities. You know, at Fujitsu we partnered with some Wall Street investors that that uh, will participate in normal funding and normal debt, um, public-private partnerships. Mm -hmm. uh, some have assets to, to put up. Some have cash. Some have cash and assets. So it's it's all over the place. I, I guess my general message is if you're a municipality thinking about getting into the business, find yourself a, a, a good network integrator and um, that can help you through the entire process from from uh, formulating the strategy all the way to turning up the first service. And, uh, and that's what we did for what Fujitsu did for for the city of Farallon is we took them from soup to nuts and and uh, and now we're we're. Uh, 30 days away from sticking a plow in the ground. Great. And uh, speaking about soup and nuts, and uh, it's lunchtime, and we're getting ready to wind down this conference, but I want to thank both of you for being here and sharing a lot of insight that uh, I'm sure uh, my listeners love to hear uh, both the success stories and the how of this you know, bringing us all together. So, again, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.